Thank you for joining us today. We hope God speaks to you. We hope dreams come alive and faith is ignited so you can impact the world and those around you for God's kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right, City Place Church, come on. Isn't it good to just have a moment of worship with the Lord? Man, I don't know about you. I love the presence of God. There's nobody like him. Well, hey, make sure that you, down, you download today's message notes, cityplacechurch.com back, backslash notes. If this is your first time here, maybe you just hopped on, you were online and you say, hey, let me check out City Place Church. I want to welcome you. My name is Damon. I am the lead pastor of City Place Church. My wife and I, her name is Taisha. We have the privilege of uh, serving as pastors of this church. And so we welcome you today. You know, God has called our church, just to give you the vision of our church, God has called our church to be a life-giving church that builds dreams, ignites faith. We establish leaders that win the loss for the kingdom of God. And so uh, it's our passion uh, to see you become all that God's called you to be. And so uh, we welcome you this morning. I also want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to download today's message notes, cityplacechurch.com. And then do me a favor, like and share today's message. And for those of you who are watching on various platforms, maybe you're listening later, uh, subscribe to the City Place Church YouTube channel just to stay informed and involved with what's going on here in the life of our church. If you have your Bibles, go to me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Don't forget, uh, coming up at the end of this month, baptism, child dedication. It's so important that you take that next step in your relationship with God. And it would be our honor for those of you who are parents uh, to celebrate child dedication with you as well. And then men, March the 26th, Man Cave. I always love hanging out with the Man Cave. I'm hearing so many amazing stories and so many encouraging things about what's happening in our city groups. And so I wanna encourage you to be a part of a city group as well. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. <coughs> Acts chapter 19, over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Ready for More. And we haven't 100% left that series yet, but I've got a thought that I want to just download to you uh, today and uh, we're going to read a little bit and then I'm going to give you the title. We're going to read. Uh, we referenced this story in Acts chapter 19 <coughs> when we were talking about Ephesians chapter three. We'll re reference that here in a minute, but we want to lean in a little bit to what God is saying. We've been saying that it's important that we're anchored and equipped in our relationship with God. And last week we talked about discipleship. And so we'll continue on just with a few thoughts today. Acts chapter 19 Let's go to verse 17, just for context. It says, the story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and the Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A great number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of those books was several million dollars. This is the New Living Translation. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go to Macedonia and Acacia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. So he sent two assistants, Timothy and Aratus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a little while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, 
serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way, which means those that were now walking in relationship with Jesus. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines to the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them all together and along with other employed in similar trades, and he addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many followers that, that handmade gods aren't really gods at all, little g-gods. And all he's done, this is not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned with the temple of the great goddess Artemis, that it will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshiped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world would be robbed of her great prestige. And at this anger boiled and they began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers said, don't go. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent messages to, messages to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Verse 32. Inside, people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. This morning, I want to talk on this subject while we've been in this series called Ready for More. Spent the last few weeks talking about being equipped and anchored for more. I want to talk on this subject. Don't drink the poison. Don't drink the poison. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, Paul is actually talking to the people of Ephesus, the people of Ephesians. And Paul has committed to seeing them anchored and equipped in their relationship with God because Paul realized, based on the story in Acts chapter 19, that they needed to be in a permanent relationship with God. He realized, and we said this, that longevity doesn't equal spiritual and natural maturity. In Ephesians chapter three, Paul says, it's for this reason that I bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you according to his riches, that he would download to you the depths of his love, that you would be anchored and rooted and that Christ would richly dwell in your heart through faith, that you would know how high, how wide, how deep his love is and that you would be filled with the fullness of God. And then he declares our vision verse for the year, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. Paul writes to them because he wants to see them anchored and rooted 
He wants to see them anchored and equipped. He wants to see them committed in a relationship with God. See, this morning we're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 19, because in Acts chapter 19, this is where we first meet the people of Ephesians and the people of Ephesus. Paul had ministered to them for two years. And when we started off our chapter today or our, our scripture for today, we found that the name of Jesus was moving throughout all of the province and the name of Jesus was held in high honor. It was held in high honor until a man by the name of Demetrius decided that people should think a different way. Last week, we talked about the importance of being in a committed relationship. We, we, we talked about the fact that all of us, all of us needed to see God from a position of commitment. We said this last week. We said that your salvation without discipleship from others and your personal passion for Christ can be a setup for surface Christianity. Like your salvation without discipleship from someone else and your personal passion for Christ can be a setup for surface Christianity. Write this down. I need to be discipled. I need to be discipled. You need to be discipled. If we're not careful, if we don't go after God with everything that we have, we could be living out a surface Christianity that God never designed for us. Paul decides that he is going to make sure that the people of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3 are committed. But today we're going to spend a lot of time in Acts chapter 19 because there was this one guy named Demetrius who decided that just based on his speech. And based on what he felt that he wanted to invoke his influence. And so if we're not careful, if we're not in a place where we're constantly growing in God, where we're constantly seeking after who God is. We risk being a surface Christian. You need to be disciple. We said that discipleship is a lifelong commitment to becoming and helping others become a fully devoted follower of Christ. No matter where you may be in your relationship with God, no matter where you may be in life, you need to be discipled. We just we said last week that there are two parts of discipleship. There is the disciple. And then there's the discipler. The disciple is one who is becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. It's a person who says, I choose to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. The minute you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You receive the gift of salvation. Your next step is to say, Jesus, I'm going all in. Jesus, I'm going to give you everything I have. That's the reason why. On March the 27th, we're saying, hey, listen, we want to celebrate baptism with you because you accept Jesus. And now you want to go liquid with your faith. You want to go public with your faith. You're saying, Jesus, the work you did on the inside of me, I'm going to just express outwardly. See, we're saying, God, I'm all in. See, being a disciple of Jesus means that you and I deny ourselves. It's, it's no longer about me. 
It's about Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, we read this last week. Jesus said, hey, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Give it all to me. So a disciple is one who is a fully devoted follower of Christ. If you and I, watch now, if you and I aren't growing through a discipleship relationship, we risk surface Christianity. See, so you and I have to choose to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Two parts. There's the disciple and then there is the discipler. The discipler is a fully devoted follower of Christ who is committed to seeing another become a fully devoted follower of Christ. So in our relationship with God, we are both a disciple and as God grows us in the knowledge of him, we are, in we are then asked to be a discipler, meaning we're going to pull more people into a relationship with God. That's what we are called to do. That's what City Place Church is called to do. That's what I'm doing this morning. My responsibility as a pastor is to lead you into a closer relationship with God. Then when, when I'm not around, you take what God is saying to you and you go deeper in knowing who he is. You're going to give him all of your love. You're going to give him all of your mind. You're going to give him all of your strength and you're going to give him all of your heart because you and I want to be fully devoted followers to Christ. See, God's heart is for lost people to be found, found people to be free, free people to be equipped, and equipped people to be mobilized. There's always a next step in our relationship with God. We never arrive. We're always becoming. We're always becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. We're always becoming more of who he is. We're always we're becoming more like him. Like we never arrive. So that means from now until the day Jesus comes back, we're still pursuing him. We never put put, put our, our relationship with him in cruise control because we never want to risk surface Christianity. We want to constantly grow. But let me give you a warning. And this is where we're going to lean in to Acts chapter 19. Your closeness to Christ will be challenged by a spiritual enemy. The devil, Satan himself. Your closeness to Christ will be challenged by a spiritual enemy. There is an enemy whose aim is to poison your natural life so that it can poison your spiritual life. Let me say that again. You have an enemy whose aim is to poison your natural life so that your spiritual life could be poisoned. If God's heart is for lost people to be found, found people to be free, free people to be equipped, equipped people to be mobilized, then the devil's plan, watch this now, the devil's plan is for lost people to be suspicious. Suspicious people to be paranoid, paranoid people to be insecure, and insecure people to be ignorant. Let me say it again. The devil's plan is for lost people to be suspicious about God, and suspicious people be, be, to be paranoid about their life, paranoid people to be insecure, 
about themselves and insecure people to be ignorant about what God really has for them. In Acts chapter 19, we're introduced to Demetrius. Demetrius has been sitting on the outside watching his city be turned upside down by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The men and the women are accepting Christ. The whole providence, the Bible says, the province, the whole province chooses to follow Jesus and to put him in first place. Demetrius comes on the scene and is really conniving and begins to test their relationship with Christ. When Paul moved away, that's the reason why I said you and I have to be in a discipleship relationship. We have to choose to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We are either going to be in the disciple seat for the season of our life or the discipler seat for the season of our life, because there's always going to be an, a little subtle move of the enemy to try to pull us away, poison our natural life, which in turn will poison our spiritual life to make us think that God is not moving for us. So Demetrius says, hey, um, let me get all of you guys together and let me highlight some things that's taking place. Who gave them a right to say that this Jesus is the only way? Now, I'm not just trying to talk about them. Your business is being impacted, the natural. We used to make all of these gods, and now you can't worship them. The Bible says he called everybody that he employed, and he, he called everybody else who, who had brought in, uh, who, who had similar trades. And he said, uh, that ain't right. We should be able to choose who we want to worship. We should be able to live how we want to live. This Jesus guy. It's changing everything. And Paul and his people are the problem. They, they've got everybody spending time together. But what about their old focus? Everybody here used to worship this goddess. Now they found this Jesus. Why can't we? And the Bible says that he started causing confusion. The people who were once changed are now going, I don't know. What do you think? Like, is this for me? I don't really know if it's for me. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to make ends meet now since we're following Jesus. I don't, I don't know, like, what this means. And the Bible goes on to say that they started crying out, yelling out in this meeting, and there were people who didn't even know why they were there. There, there were people who were at the meeting for a meeting. They didn't know what was going on. See, we have to be careful that we don't drink the poison of the subtleties of the enemy, because the enemy watch now. The enemy will try to lead people into into suspicion, paranoia, insecurities and ignorance. He will literally take God's plan of finding you, freeing you equipping you and mobilizing you and having you question who God really created you and how God changed you. 
He's so subtle. He starts to poison, poison the natural. You know your business is starting to be impacted, everybody. You know the community's changed a little bit since they started declaring Jesus' name. How do y'all feel about that? Like your natural surroundings, uh, just want y'all to know, it's different now, isn't it? And it starts impacting their spirit where they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should be worshiping this, this other God. The enemy has a subtle way of trying to create this moment of, I don't know if I might just be okay right where I am in my relationship with God. Like, Maybe there are some other things that I don't really need in my relationship with God. Maybe like he's not the only way. Maybe like this part of what what I'm reading is not true. Maybe what culture is telling me is true. Maybe I should believe this way. Maybe I should follow. You know what? And the Bible says confusion. Can I tell you that confusion is not of God? It's of the enemy. Don't drink the poison. Write this down. A poisoned spiritual life equals confusion in Christ. A poisoned spiritual life equals confusion in Christ. Can I echo this again? You might hear this throughout. No matter where you are, you need to be discipled. No matter where you are, you need to be discipled. Paul spent two years. He moves back a little bit. And as soon as he moves back a little bit, there's an enemy that rises up and begins to cause confusion. This is the reason why if this is your first time here. Literally over the last few weeks, we've spent two weeks in Ephesians chapter three. Literally walking through the importance and the context of why Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians because he wanted to see the people of Ephesus walk in a permanent discipleship relationship with God. And it was based on what he had seen in, in, in take place in the story that I read to you in Acts chapter 19. They were walking with God. Confusion came in. They don't really know. Paul literally wrote the book of Ephesians in prison. And he said, I refuse to let them walk out of their relationship with God. I refuse to allow the voice of what's around them or the enemy to poison their natural life, which then in turn impacts their spiritual life. I choose to be in a permanent discipleship relationship with them, whether I'm in front of them or I am away from them. I am committed to seeing them become fully devoted followers of Christ. Can I tell you, you're being a disciple of Jesus. Is your choice. You and I have to realize that there is a subtlety of the enemy to try to poison us. So write this down, write this down. There's six poison pills of the enemy. Six poison pills of the devil. Six poison pills of the devil. 
<clears throat> I'm going to give them all to you, and I'm going to focus on one, and then we're going to get out of here. Here you go. Write these down. Six. Number one, lack of awareness. Number two, pride. Number three, division. Number four, wrong agreements. Number five, distraction. And number six, offense. All of these poison pills were found in what Demetrius was saying. All of them. But let's focus on one. Six poison pills. Six poison pills. But we're going to focus on one. We're going to focus on this one for today. Lack of awareness. Write that down. One of, one of the most subtle poisons that the enemy, that you do have, is a lack of awareness. Here's what I mean. It's a lack of awareness. Write this down. It's a lack of, aware, of awareness of, watch now, I wrote this down just like this. Many either are unaware, don't realize, or don't care that there is a devil that hates God and hates you. There's a lack of an awareness that there really is a devil, Satan, that is out for you and trying to hurt the father's heart. There is a spiritual enemy who does not want you to walk in a fully devoted relationship with Christ. You are God's most beloved peace. You are his heart. You are his, his prized uh, relationship. You are the most important thing in his life. And the devil wants you to uh, feel like God wants nothing to do with you. See, one of the most subtle poisons that the enemy would try to get you and I to drink is a lack of awareness. A lack of awareness of the fact that there really is an enemy that doesn't like you. I, I, was, I, was, I was talking to someone the other day, and the reason why this left in my heart was because um, as we were talking, there were some obstacles in their life, and, th and this was their phrase, this was their phrase, I just don't understand why God would. Like, I feel like God is trying to hurt me. I feel like God is. And I thought to myself, why is it that the devil didn't get any blame? Why is it that the devil himself wasn't identified as the problem? Sometimes we move through life and because we think so tangible, we don't realize and we don't pause to say, wait a second, there is an adversary that is trying to block me from being all that God has called me to be, and he does not want me to be fully devoted to Christ. Cease. We want to, we want to make sure that we don't drink the poison. Demetrius gets up and he says, hey, come here, man. Let me tell you something. You don't need to be paying attention to this Jesus guy. When we used to worship the goddess of Artemis, 
No. We have to be aware that that is a spiritual enemy. Sometimes we are just purely unaware. Sometimes we just don't realize. And sometimes some of us just don't care because we're constantly chasing and we're constantly pursuing. Write this down. Being unaware puts your spirit at risk. Being unaware of the fact that there is a devil that dislikes you and dislikes the father and he's trying to hurt him by hurting you. It puts you and your spirit at risk. First Peter chapter five, verse eight through nine says this. <clears throat> it says, be sober, aware, be vigilant on alert. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But watch this. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. Like, be aware. Be on guard. That as I'm choosing to become and you're choosing to become a fully devoted, fully devoted follower of Christ, and as we're choosing to pull other people into becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, there is a devil who's going to try to cause confusion, who's going to try to impact the natural and poison the natural so that it can poison our spirit and we can feel like I want to be distant away from God. Be aware that he is literally walking around for the right opportunity like Demetrius and I'm going to pounce right now. And so many times, the enemy will show up and walk into your life when we have a gap in our relationship with God. Or you're really intense and you're like, God, I'm going in and you can see God move. He'll be like, I'm going to slip him up right here. We have to be aware of how the enemy moves. See, in Ephesians, the whole book of Ephesians Paul is literally writing to the people of Ephesus so that they can know the fullness of who God is in their life. He was trying to literally close from chapters one all the way to, through chapter six. He literally is trying to close every gap, every hole where the enemy could, could try to come in and say, oh, God, God, God doesn't love you. He's like, oh, no, you should know the depth of God's love. And, and, and just when they feel like, well, I don't really know about my commitment. He's like, no, go all in on Christ. In fact, I pray in Ephesians chapter 3, 14, that you would uh, grant him according to his riches. Like, like he would, he would give you everything that, that you need. Like you don't have to chase it on your own. Like I pray that you'd be rooted and grounded in his love. Like Paul's like, I'm going to close all the gap. In Ephesians chapter six, he's like, listen, I want you to know that you have a spiritual enemy. Don't try to fight with your hands. Fight in the spirit. Be armed with the spirit of God. Like he's literally trying to close every gap because he's like, I want you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. See, your enemy, Satan is a fallen angel under God's judgment who seeks to blind you as God's child. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Literally, Paul, this is Paul writing to the people of Corinthians. Literally, he's telling them like, hey, listen, you have an enemy who is like viewed in some form of fashion as as being an authority here. And he he's literally trying to trap you by blinding you to the good news of the gospel of Jesus. He's literally trying to blind you from being a fully devoted follower of Christ. But I'm praying that you would grab hold of all that God has for you. Like the enemy is not at the level of your heavenly father. He's not. He is not an equal. He is under God's judgment, but he's still moving to trip you up. See, this morning I wanted to pause because we're preaching faith and we've been preaching the vision of our church where we said when we build dreams, we are unlocking the prophetic voice of God. And then we said we ignite faith. We 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 push past the obstacles in our life so that we can fully believe God in what he said. And I realized this week that we have to expose the enemy for who he is on a Sunday morning. We're trying to glorify the name of the Lord, our God. But there is an enemy and you have to know it. And so I have to preach about it. I have to preach about how God has overcome any attack of the enemy and let you know, be on alert. Be on alert because he'll try to whisper in your ear. No, nah, don't, 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 don't trust God for that. Don't believe God for that. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul's literally like, hey, hey. Focus on who God is, but realizing that your enemy is subtle. But I want you to know like he's defeated. The enemy's tactic is to try to overpower you. And to get you to be, to stop believing in Jesus. He attacks your faith. See, this is one of the subtle pills of the enemy is is a lack of awareness. He doesn't mind you and I be busy being busy. He wants us to be busy. He wants us to run around. He wants us to be chasing things because we don't pause enough to say, wait a second. That angry person on my job. That's not them. That's the spirit in them. The, 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 the atmosphere of my home that just feels like, oh, what is going on? That's the enemy. The, the feelings of anxiety and fear. That's the enemy. I don't tolerate that. That's the enemy. I have to be aware, you have to be aware that there's an enemy who will try the most subtle things in the natural to try to poison us spiritually. So this morning, what we're doing is we're saying we will be self-aware that the Jesus that we serve is more powerful than the enemy's attack or that what the enemy may try to cause us to do through just a little bit of subtlety in our life. No, we will be a fully devoted follower of Christ and we will be conscious of the poisons we will be aware that he's not going to get all of our attention, but we will be aware that the bumps and some of the arrows in our life is because we have an adversary. Here's how the Bible describes your enemy so that you can be aware. He's described as a tempter. In Luke chapter four, verse one through two, Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted of the devil. 
James chapter one says, hey, listen now, I just want you to know, don't say that you've been tempted by God because God cannot be tempted by evil. But realize where the temptation comes from. He says temptation is drawn away. It's uh, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and he's enticed. James says, listen, the tempter will pull you and get you all distracted and have you focus on the wrong thing. The Bible refers to your adversary as the accuser. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says that the accuser of the brother accused them before God day and night. The Bible refers to your adversary as the father of lies. John 8, 44 says you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, I mean, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Anytime you hear that you are less than God's very best, it's a lie of the enemy. Anytime you're told that God doesn't want to heal you, God doesn't want to free you, God doesn't want to save you, he doesn't want to equip you to be all that he's called you to be, it's a lie from the enemy. And this morning, we will be made aware we won't drink the poison because we will become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. This is the year that we have declared that God will do above and beyond. And we want to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And some of you watching today, the enemy for years has told you who you are not. The enemy for years has brought up your past. The enemy for years has caused you to, to settle in fear. He's caused you to settle in self-doubt. He's caused you to deal with certain issues of your life. And I'm here to tell you, that's never God's design. God wants to grant you according to his riches. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in his love. He wants you to know his, his love for you that surpasses your knowledge. He wants you to experience the fullness of himself. Like we read in Ephesians chapter three. He wants you to be able to declare that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. You could ask hope or thing. But your enemy. Will try to make you think otherwise. Here's a fact. You and I have to see the enemy for who he is. He's under God's judgment. We have a power that works on the inside of us. And if you haven't met Jesus yet, just in a couple of minutes, you will. You have. On the inside of you, a Jesus. That's overcome. Any attack of the enemy. So write these down. And I said these last week and I'm going to say it again. Let me give you some simple keys to allowing yourself to be anchored. As a disciple of Jesus, fully devoted follower of Christ. First, know that Jesus longs to be close to you every single day. He doesn't want one moment away from you. Don't listen to the, the lie of the enemy. 
grasp your right as a son or daughter of God in his spiritual family. Pursue the truth found in God's word. Be willing to grow spiritually in a life-giving community of people. This is the reason why we have city groups, everybody. It's because I'm all in. This is the reason why we joined together as a community online. I'm committed. Be aware that the devil wants you distant from God, but that you have the authority to resist him. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith. And finally, make a commitment to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Demetrius did his best to pull everybody away. When you read Acts, the Bible says that the people were like, well, just go do what you want to do. But little did they know that Paul wasn't done. Paul was like, I am going to make sure that you don't drink that poison. And you allow the subtleties of the of the tempter, the accuser, the liar, to settle in to who God has already created you to be. And this morning, right where you are, Jesus wants to hang out with you every single day. And he wants you to be committed to him as a fully devoted follower of Christ. Right where you are, will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I just want to pray for you. Simple prayer. You know, I, told, I was telling my wife, I said, uh, today we're going to be made aware that one, we're victorious, and two, that there's an enemy that doesn't want us to be who God called us to be. And we're going to expose it so that we are anchored and equipped and this morning, right where you are, I want you to know that there is freedom. God's heart is for lost people to be found. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be equipped in your relationship with God, and then he wants you to be mobilized to be able to tell people about him. Jesus died on a cross and gave us the gift of salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection right where you are today, I would love to be able to pray with you to receive Jesus. It's not hard. You don't have to jump through any religious hoops. All you have to do is just confess that Jesus died, rose again, and you invite him into your heart. I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I just want you to pray it after me. And then when we're done, I'm going to give you two next steps. Are you ready? Let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, Today I acknowledge your love for me. You died and you rose again so that I could have life. I choose today to accept you freely as my Lord and Savior. Help me to become a fully devoted follower. I want to go all in 
I don't want to hold anything back. I don't want to allow the enemy ever again to distract me or confuse me. I'm all in. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, city police, right where you are. Can you make some noise for Jesus right where you are? Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. Let's make some noise for Jesus today. Well done on the decision that you made to follow Jesus. Let me tell you what, it is by far the greatest decision you will ever make. Remember I told you I'm gonna have two next steps for you. Here's the first one. The first one is, let us know the decision you made, that connection card that I mentioned at the beginning of service. I want you to fill out that connection card. Let us know uh, that you chose to follow Jesus and then your next step is baptism if you haven't been baptized. We would love to celebrate that with you on March the 27th. And then for those of you who are watching, you wanna be a part of a life-giving community, I encourage you to be a part of a city group. We've got city groups for all ages and you know stages of life. This is our place where we grow together in our relationship with God and we literally disciple and we grow to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so those are two next steps. Hop into those today. Don't drink the poison. Don't allow the enemy to make you think that you can just move through life and that he's not trying to block some things that God has for your life. Amen. Well, hey, we're getting ready to worship the Lord with our tithe and our offering today, with our tithe and our offering. And I'm going to pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you that we get to worship you uh, for the lives that met you today. We are grateful, Jesus, that we get to chase after you. Father, thank you for allowing us to be aware of your goodness, aware of your grace. Thank you that you've given us victory over every, every aspect of our life. Thank you for those that met you. Bless, bless our giving today. We honor you. We worship you. And thank you that you allow us as a church to make an impact in the lives of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, City Place Church. Shout out to you for your faithfulness and just trusting God. Well done. We're making an impact. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com.